Welcome to Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. Hello and welcome to Sports Weekly edition number 29. I'm your host Ayaz Memon and we're just a few days away from the Tokyo Olympics beginning. There's a lot of stories emerging from there, mostly good but some not so good. We're going to talk about that. And of course, when the Olympics takes place, almost all other sporting action comes to a halt. All except cricket. Cricket is uh, is still going on, and in fact, it's it's in full form. There's uh, India is is in uh, in Sri Lanka. That's the India team number two. The team number one is in England already, waiting for the series test series against England to begin. But that'll happen only in August. And uh, we've had Pakistan in England, Australia in the West Indies. So lots of uh, cricket action happening despite the Olympics approaching. And then of course there's the F1 British Grand Prix. Uh, for which we'll have Samil Arora joining us. He'll be there for us with the other other uh, events that we're going to talk about also. But without much ado, let me draw in my guests, uh, Mr. Fantastic and Samil for this show. And let's get on the freeway right away uh, for this edition. Hey, Ayaz. Thanks so much for having us again. It's thankfully been a bit of a quiet week. Not too much sport happening. And uh, with the Olympics coming up, that's going to end very soon. Hey, Samil. Hey guys, yeah, and I'm so glad that the sport was a bit less this week. And not because I don't like to speak about it or watch it, but absence makes the heart grow fonder. We've not had tennis, we've not had football, but there's tons of cricket, a lot about the Olympics and Formula One. The calendar never stops, but it's good to see some sports sort of take a little bit of a break. And and it'll be so much fun when they come back. But yeah, as, as with every single episode, lots of substance in this episode is going to come up. And that's what makes me so excited. Absolutely. I think uh, we're all very excited about the Olympics. They're here at last. There is a bit of opportunity growth for India. The tennis front has been bolstered with the presence of Sumit Nagal, who made a late entry. But at the same time, we still don't know if Rohan Bapanna's in. It looks highly unlikely if he's not yet in. I think the cutoff dates are over. Uh, and Indian athletes will be in action on all days, practically uh, starting July the 23rd. Uh, Ayaz, looking forward to that. The hockey guys are in action. The Sindhu on Sunday. We've got men's doubles and singles of in badminton as well over the weekend. Yeah, I think it's an action-packed first weekend for the Indian contingent. You know, just just as a, uh, a reminder to all our listeners, the contingent is 126 strong. That means 126 athletes from India are in, in Tokyo. And, uh, well, the good part, so to speak, and I hope it actualizes, uh, the good part is that Almost everybody I've spoken to, and I, I just thought I'll let everybody know I'm in the bubble now. I'm going to do some work for for Sony on the Olympics, so I'm in the biosecure bubble in their studios or in the in the hotel where the studios are going to be located. And you know, speaking to guys like Somdev Dev Balman and some of the others who are here, former India athletes, uh, almost everybody seems to believe that we could have our best ever medals haul in this Olympics. So that's something to look forward to. But as, as you mentioned, the first weekend, it's a crackling weekend where India is concerned. And if we start well, then obviously there'll be a lot more good news coming in the two-week period till the end of the Olympics. Absolutely. And we've got Sindhu in action right away. We've got the men's hockey India take on New Zealand Saturday. That's an early morning game, folks. 6.30 if you're up for it. Uh, the India team plays Australia Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. So don't have a very long siesta. Uh, the women's team are in action on Saturday and again on Monday evening. 
So lots to look forward to there. PV Sindhu's first match is on Sunday 7-10. So don't have a late Saturday night. Yeah, there's a lot of don'ts if you really want to enjoy the sporting action. Well, moving on, the other action that's happening right now is around the cricket world. But before we go to the international action, uh, there's a new format. Yes, cricket didn't have enough, so we needed another. And we've got something called the 100 starting later this week. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Ayaz, I have no clue what the 100 is. I'm completely clueless. And I would really love for you to explain to all of our listeners as well, what's going on with the 100. Well, the 100 is a 100 ball each side contest, you know. So, instead of 20 overs each side, this is going to be 100 balls uh, for each team. And it was actually supposed to start last year. But because of the pandemic, it was delayed. Uh, and they're going to give it a, a shot this year. I must mention here that uh, quite a few Aussie players, for instance, have pulled out. Uh, you know, the corona pandemic has affected all sports and so also the 100. But I think the England Cricket Board decided that they are not going to wait any longer and they'll push ahead with the tournament uh, and see how it goes or where it goes from there. Now, the, the essential difference is, of course, as I mentioned, it's a 100-ball tournament, which means 16 overs plus 4 balls. And the interesting part is that after 15 overs, the last over can be of 10 balls. You know, it can be delivered by one bowler. So, there's a improvisation, there's a tweaking of, you know, convention, if I may say, though, say so, of what cricketing convention demanded. Uh, I think the attempt has been... To, to be trying, you know, be a little hutke uh, from how T20 leagues are being played all over the world. One is, of course, in the reduced number of deliveries per innings. And then, of course, then you, get, you give an extended over to one bowler, which is the prerogative of the captain then. And, uh, you know, create some inflection points, if I may say so, uh, or potentially, uh, you know, turning points in the match if it comes to that. Uh, so... The idea was to try and attract the best talent from the cricket world. In the English season means Australian players are available. So too are the West Indians. Uh, in many ways, even the Sri Lankans. Of course, the Indians are not allowed to play because the, the BCC has not cleared their participation. It becomes an immediate threat to the IPL. And that's something that they want to safeguard. But I think that uh, it's an interesting development, so to speak, in the... Uh, white ball league league tournaments that are that have sprouted all over the world. So there were many clones of the IPL, including the Big Bash, the Caribbean Premier League, the Sri Lanka Premier League, the Bangladesh Premier League, the Pakistan Super League. They're all pretty much on the same pattern. This is you know wanting to be a little different, as I mentioned. So uh, yeah, let's see how it goes. And there's also a fairly good angle of parity for the women's game with this league, isn't there? There is. And that's important and very interesting. Uh, so, I mean, look, there is a women's big bash uh, league in in Australia. But here, what they've done is they've given the, the same titles or the same names for the men's team will be, the women's teams will also be tagged by the same names. So, you've got parity in terms of, you know, identification for a, for a layperson. Uh, if I'm following a team, then the women's team is also by the same name. So, you know, there is a consistency there. Uh, I also think that the wages for women cricketers is going to go up substantially, uh, at least in England, after this experience, because uh, the sponsorship money will be uh, will benefit or will boost women's uh, players uh, in, uh, in, uh, in England and wh whoever else participates in this. But I think more importantly, and this is something that 
you know, the IPL perhaps or the BCCI needs to figure out is that they made some token efforts to try and start a women's IPL. It's not really worked out well in the first two years. They've had some three matches or four matches, you know, four teams. And it's to be honest, it's been a half-hearted attempt. So there is some learning to be had from here. And if, if the BCCI is going to be as, uh, you know, lethargic in, in moving ahead, then I'm afraid that it will be overwhelmed by teams emerging in different leagues for women or women cricketers. And that's going to be a bit of a problem then for the BCCI to reconcile uh, or how to, you know, like they have, they have the first mover advantage in the IPL. And of course, the bigger advantage is the money that is available in the IPL. But if you don't create the opportunities for the women cricketers, then they'll obviously look elsewhere. Absolutely. I mean, just looking at some of the team lineups, they've got uh, Harmanpreet Kaur already signed up. Uh, so she's going to get some really good exposure playing against some top opposition on the women's front. Uh, some of the team names here could have been a little more imaginative, I'll be honest. But uh, <laughs> yeah. just for the benefit of our listeners, there's the Oval Invincibles, the Manchester Originals, the Birmingham Phoenix, London Spirit, Trent Rockets, Southern Brave, Northern Superchargers and Welsh Fire. Which name do you like the best, guys? Uh, it's it's interesting. At least they've not gone for the sort of rhyming stuff that we do here in India, Rajasthan Royals or... The alliterative or one. Waters. Yeah, agreed. It's exactly. And it's a bit more original, much like the format. So I think I'll go Manchester Originals in that case then. Why not? That's really yeah. probably the worst name you could have picked. And I can't <laughs> no, expect any better lazy. from you because Manchester, you know. Just being lazy. Exactly. No, Oval Invincibles is not bad. I quite like that actually. Yeah. I'm I'm uh, going yeah. I'm going with the uh, with the Welsh Fire. They sound like Welsh Fire is a good name. Yeah. So these are these are definitely going to be the teams that we now root for, and I'm going to call you out on this next time. Right. I just I just wanted to highlight here that uh, Mr. Fantastic and Somil that unlike the men men cricketers, the male cricketers from India who are not allowed to participate in any of the T20 leagues across the world. The women cricketers are allowed. So in the past, we have had Harman Kritkar and you know uh, some of the other Jemima Rodriguez going and playing in uh, in the Big Bash League or the equivalent in Australia, and they've been allowed to participate also in the hundred. So in a, in a sense, that's good of the BCCI to allow it. But so there are two things that I see happening: not tomorrow, but you know moving ahead, perhaps in a few years' time. One is that the men cricketers, the male cricketers, will ask for permission or maybe go away in defiance if they're not allowed to participate in other leagues, especially if they don't have, you know, central contracts from the BCCI and they are not part of IPL teams. You know, there are lots of lots and lots of cricketers in India who are not part of the IPL uh, teams, you know, and they, they, they might say, why the hell should we be sitting at home and not earning any money when this is available? Absolutely. Well, let's hope this format clicks. It's exciting. It sounds exciting. Uh, and especially the part where the women players are playing alongside the men. Well, not in the same game, but back to back. That should be a very, very good spectacle. Um, moving back to international cricket. Uh, India trounced Sri Lanka much as expected in the first uh, ODI. It was literally a walk in the park for this team. I mean, this is India's team too. And they're doing it so easily, uh, but I'll be honest, Sri Lanka didn't completely disappoint. You know, they did show there's some there's some start, there's some seedlings there that need a little bit of nurturing. Uh, the bowling seems skilled, but and I think it's something which will do better over time. Uh, 
uh what's your take ayas well you know so they didn't do too badly i mean people thought that you know at, at one stage 114 or something for four it seemed they might not make 180 190 but they went on to make 261 so in that sense yes they showed spunk and they showed heart and they showed gumption but it was never going to challenge the indian team enough this is a very strong indian team actually and i in fact uh, it might it may not be too far fetched to believe that uh, you know india might have india india one and india two on the international circuit at some stage it's not i'm not being facetious there might be a stage when see because cricket otherwise is not growing to 40 50 60 countries so now we found teams even in england for instance the talent pool has become fairly good and fairly big especially for white ball cricket so to australia uh, so you might find some of these countries where the the structure for the sport is very very robust and they can produce a lot more cricketers to say hey can we have more teams participating maybe from the same nation will create it will be complexities but you know who knows where it can go also don't forget and this is something which i have been talking about for the last 25 30 years maybe the west indies is actually a collection of countries which plays under one sort of team flag and a team anthem all other sports they play separately you know i mean football antigua will be playing jamaica will be playing trinidad and tobago but when they play cricket they come together now if they all played independently even cricket then you'll have maybe seven eight countries already added to the pool so the only problem there is that the population is very very low and therefore the talent pool is very very small so uh, it may not happen for the next 25 30 years unless they allow players to migrate and you know become kind of honorary citizens to to play well to be honest they seem to country. be doing well with the caribbean premier league teams getting filled up they are uh, and and that's that's a sign that this some something like this could could take root and become bigger than what uh, is we see currently but to come back to the sri lankan team so what, the the couple of things which struck me is that look india looked not on paper alone but even on the field far stronger what i also felt especially for the about the sri lankan team is that their body language seemed to suggest you know we can't beat these guys so let's let's you know play reasonably well and say we've done a good job but you know the body language seemed to suggest that they were resigned to their fate so to speak and which allowed actually to, for india to uh, 261 to to win it in a canter it could have been a little tougher they dropped catches the sri lankans and this is the the crux part which i saw so if you saw the way prithvi shaw batted and the way ishan kishan batted and the way surya kumar yadav batted and i'm pointing out only these three not shikhar dhawan because he played the anchor and took the team home so to speak but all these guys went held for leather uh, you know from ball one and there is a reason for it which i kind of detect there are maybe two places open for the world t20 team still you know in the squad in the batting and each of these guys wants to play their uh, wants a place in that team so rohit sharma will obviously be there pant will be there virat kohli will be there kl rahul will be there a couple of places may be open and all the other guys who we see in sri lanka now when they get a chance to bat outside a guy like shikhar dhawan who's a veteran and he's amongst the front runners also from the squad they'll all be going and trying to make it a huge impact on the selectors and take their chances which is why ishan kishan on debut you know for first ball he hits for a six second ball he hits for a four 
He's frequently dancing down the pitch, trying to hit the ball out of the ground. He's had a you know couple of lives. Doesn't stop him. Just goes bang, 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 bang for for his strokes. And I think there is a reason for doing that, which I suspect is just to impress everybody from Rahul Dravid upwards. <laughs> and what do you make of uh, our good old friend Prithvi Shaw? Again, he had a great start. He had a completely set uh, platform to just take the team home, be be the driver. But uh, threw it away. Yeah, I mean, look, he got hit on the head, and immediately after that, he fell. So uh, I think I think Prithvi Shaw still needs to value his wicket a little more. Having said that, because we know the backdrop that Sri Lanka missed out on a few players, punished for breaking the COVID biosecure bubble, etc., etc., and was not a full strength team. Uh, but forty three of some twenty five, twenty six balls, you, somebody gives a flying start that like that. It's a terrific effort, you know. Uh, T20 is a bit of a lottery. The the reason I'm saying this is in the power play you have to optimize your runs. Now we will of course uh, maybe this is the time to talk about the Australia West Indies uh, series we had T20 series and put it in context. So the West Indies is thriving. In fact, it's intimidating as a T20 team because they have in, what I call impact players from one to nine or ten. Everyone seems to be an impact player, and they're all going out there. Whether it's a Pollard or a Russell or an Evan Lewis or Chris Gale or Nicholas Puran, they all come there and they are playing almost at the same rate to keep that same momentum going. And they are not playing to make 50 and 60. If it happens, it happens. But don't lose the momentum. And that's why they become a very formidable team. I see some part of that coming into the Indian T20 mindset also. So a Shaw going the way he does or a Rohit, or a Virat, or a Rahul, uh, is to ensure that you don't... And, the, and then, of course, there's Pant, there's Jadeja, and Hardik Pandya, if he is in the team, uh, as a strong finisher. You will have... I think there's going to be a change in tactics. If we've seen that happen with West Indies, you know, chasing or posting scores of 180-plus, we've seen that happen with the second-string England team against Pakistan. You know, they are making 190 or 200 fairly easily. So, the tactic in T20 is now reaching a, cha- a change. Like in ODIs, a score of 260, 270 is below par. I think 150, 160 is becoming below par in T20 cricket unless the pitch is really bad. More and more teams are seeking scores of 190 plus. And for that, from opening batsmen to right down to 7, 8, they have to be playing at the same momentum. Well, absolutely right. And... Speaking of ongoing series, uh, Australia are having a tough time of it in the West Indies. I mean, you just mentioned that the West Indies team is quite a scary one on the T20 front. And they've hammered Australia 4-1. So much so that Mitch Marsh was the top performer for Australia with bat and ball. So, uh, it just goes to show how much of a stranglehold the West Indies have and how well they've kind of adapted and read this format and kind of made it their own, you know? Yeah, it's true. I think the West Indies are front runners for the uh, T20 World Cup when it happens in the UAE in October, November. In fact, uh, you know, much as they are looking very shallow in test cricket, they're looking formidable in the T20 format, the West Indies. The Australians are struggling a bit to get the right combination going. Yes, there's no Warner, there's no Smith in this T20 team. I think they were a bit let down by their bowlers, especially Mitchell Stark, who could have done... I mean, he helped them win one match, the only match that they won, by bowling a terrific last over. But beyond that, they're not, you know, they're not getting enough wickets. Their best bowlers have actually, has actually been Adam Zampa and then Mitch Marsh, who picked up a lot of wickets. 
he's been the he's been the best player uh, for Australia in the series with bat and ball. Well, uh, West Indies also seem to have discovered a new leg spinning star in Hayden Walsh, who took a dozen wickets. Uh, given that it's happened in the West Indies against Australia, I think warrants a fact that uh, we should take this guy seriously. He could be a good star for the future. Not just that, because the World T20 is in Dubai and UAE. I mean, the UAE, not just Dubai, it's also Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Sharjah, where pitches will help the slower bowlers. I think it's important. That the one thing where the West Indies lacked say, you know, or at least didn't have the edge, was in spin bowling. Now, they've, they've got Fabian Allen, who's done quite well in the series, and they've they found Hayden Walsh. So, you know, if you, if you also, and Fabian Allen can also bat and tonk the ball around. So, uh, it's looking even more complete and balanced, this West Indies team. Amazing. It's, it's amazing that they can find so many to play this format, but almost no one else for the others. I mean, it's almost like they're all defying... Michael Holding when he says that T20 is not really cricket. What's that? You know, what, what's that they say that the money makes the <laughs> mayor go round? <laughs> you know, so there's much, much more employment, jobs, etc. available uh, as, as a T20 player than, you know, as a first-class player. And frankly, the, the first-class structure in the West Indies is not, not very strong, not very good. Even when you go back in time, you know, and you'll find that Maybe from the era of Garfield Sobers and Kenai and Hunt and all the great players of the 60s till uh, till very recently, at least till the time Viv Richards and guys were playing or Brian Lara, all, almost all their first-class cricket was played in England as players for different counties. And some of them would then play the winter in Australia. And that's where they became formidable players. But once the restriction on players for counties came in and, you know, Jobs were not available. There were restrictions on coming as professionals. West Indies cricket suffered very badly. Absolutely. Well, moving on. Pakistan is in England. Lost everything so far. Well, except for that one game that they finally won. Uh, so, Pakistan, after losing the ODI series 0-3, has finally won the T20 game. The first of three. Then went on to lose the second one convincingly. But they do have a chance now of actually winning something on their tour of England and it's it's really Babar Azam versus England so far uh, maybe a little bit of Rizwan but other than that Pakistan has really not done anything to show that they belong at this stage what's happening there Ayaz? I, th- I think it's been uh, disappointing uh, from Pakistan's point of view this performance because uh, uh, they held out promise of a, a far better performance and remember England uh, without some of their key players in the in the uh, in the ODIs in the T20s, they you know they I mean somebody like a Jofra Archer is still not playing, so and he's 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 a white ball specialist just to name one player. Uh, so I think that Pakistan have a lot of soul searching to do. There's there's a lot of potential and talent, and uh, they've got a world class batsman in Babar Azam. I think the more I see of him, the more I enjoy his batsmanship, and I I, I see him becoming one of the Big names in cricket. But uh, even for him, remember, he's captain. He's a young fellow, 25-26. If he finds that, if he gets bogged down by defeats, it might affect his batting too. And uh, there's some talk. I was just reading the newspapers today that former Pakistan captain Intikhab Alam has said that maybe he should not be the captain in T20, Babar Azam. Because just putting too much pressure on him and if you keep losing all the while, then it might just blunt your... Not your technique, but your, your your mind starts becoming defensive 
and you know bothered and always worried about losing which is not what you want your best cricketer to be going through so i think that's something that pakistan will have to seriously consider but apart from that i think they need to look at reasons why you know one of the matches i remember watching was the, one of the odis Uh, they just dropped too many catches. I mean, they put up 300 runs, which England chased down very easily. So Babar Azam making 158 or something going in vain, because you know you drop a couple of catches on a on a pata wicket, and you know batsmen are going to take a heavy toll. So it's not just about how you play; you also have to learn how to win. Yeah, that's a mindset thing. But uh, honestly, very little expected from the rest of the English tour for uh, Pakistan. and staying in england there was a bit of a car wreck yesterday that's caused a bit of furor isn't it and we've got somil to talk us through that uh maybe the f1 car should get indicators now somil is that going to help no <laughs> it's what it would look like from the outside but the fact of the matter is a lot more uh, is, is a lot more insane when you try to think of it Uh, Verstappen versus Hamilton. It's been the duel of the season so far in Formula One, and why not? Both of them have been on the top of their game all the way through. And this time at the British GP, we saw the sprint qualifying format come into perspective, and Verstappen dominated that, got the three extra points, and started first on Sunday's race. And that's where the fun begins. On lap number one, we saw ten corners worth of the most amazing side-by-side action you will ever see with those sort of Formula One cars at Silverstone. It was insane. The sound, the furor, the action, the drama everywhere. Until at Cops Corner, the old turn number one, which is now I think turn eleven or something quite like that, where Hamilton was tapping. They were nose to tail. but then hamilton sent a move down the inside of that corner and and when you're talking about oh send a move down the inside of that corner where they're going i think what 150 miles per hour probably a bad idea and i'm not going to elaborate more on whose fault that was because genuinely it has left the entire formula 1 community divided into two halves but what i'm going to say is they tangled it was a 51 g impact 51 gravitational forces going through that crash when it happened and the car literally looked dead if i may say it that way it was just uh, the mortal wounds of the car basically is what i'd like to call it that was what was left of verstappen's machine when it hit the wall at 150 miles per hour over 300 kph that is by the way sideways imagine the impact but verstappen was okay apart from bruce leg uh, he was he's definitely moaning in pain on the team radio and lewis hamilton asked now and now emphasizing on this part is a bit important and and it will sort of loop back in a couple of minutes when i tell you the whole story but hamilton asked on the team radio was verstappen okay they said yeah he's out of the car which is uh, most most likely a very good sign in the world of formula 1 carried on racing without verstappen and then came the news from the fia who said that this is a 10 second penalty now this has left the world divided honestly and and how do you decide if this was a penalty or not it is a very fast sharp right hand corner and essentially if the cars are side by side it is on the driver on the outside which is verstappen to not sort of cut the door in but then there's this debate and it's all going into millimeters now was hamilton right there did he have the edge were they side by side did verstappen see him of course you may not see somebody going down your inside at 150 kph at that corner on the opening lap of the race and that has literally created such drama so there's two sides of the camp 
There's the Verstappen fans who said that, okay, this is not correct. This is a penalty. And Verstappen was sent to the hospital uh, deliberately by Lewis Hamilton, which I think is just utter junk. Nothing like that ever happens in Formula 1 because Hamilton could have been the one going in the wall as well at that same time, right? But Red Bull Racing, Verstappen's team have been making inflammatory comments saying that Hamilton wanted to send him to the wall. This is rubbish. This is X. This is Y. This is Z. He should be suspended for a race. This should be this. This should be that. But... There have been incidents where Verstappen has been in a similar situation on the inside and without the drivers on the outside and the team have said, okay, there was some good car positioning. So there's that aspect. But it's also fair to say that Hamilton maybe should not have made the move at that corner. There are better places to go for a move on. And he did something similar in the sprint race, tried a half move there, didn't work. But in that case, he backed out here. He did not back off. We saw what happened. But the important point is, Hamilton inquired about how Verstappen was doing. And this is just, just like a school story, right? He didn't ask me how good I was feeling, stuff like that. So Hamilton, of course, uh, unfazed by all of this, went on to win the British GP, even with a 10-second penalty. And that has caused some more headlines in itself. Because everyone is saying, and, and, I, and I follow the same opinion, if you have to penalise him, if you sort of found Hamilton guilty of that accident, which I, I don't think he was, it was a racing incident in my opinion, if he was, then why give him the second lowest penalty, the second least uh, impactful penalty in all of Formula 1? Maybe go for something bigger, right? If you think that he genuinely is guilty, give him a bigger penalty. It was like the officials sort of did not want to upset anyone in a case like this. That is why they went for the 10-second penalty. And we all know the story. Hamilton and Verstappen are on such a high level that 10 seconds is not enough to put them away from a race win. And so Hamilton chased hard and caught up Ferrari, Charles Leclerc. And, and yes, Ferrari finally uh, on the podium again this year with Leclerc. Uh, they were the ones who finished second, but Hamilton got them three laps up to the end. And most people said that from the accident to the final three laps, there was nothing much happening. I sort of disagree. There was, there was great excitement about whether Hamilton would, would catch Leclerc or not. And that was a fun race. Again, slow stops for Lando Norris of McLaren and Carlos Sainz of Ferrari sort of put back bad results for them. And they could have been up there on the podium as well, potentially. And that is all the drama. And, and, and the fact that makes it worse for Red Bull, Mr. Fantastic and I ask, is the fact that this race was the first time since November 2020, Sakhir Grand Prix that was, that we have not had a single Red Bull racing car on the podium. Hell, Sergio Perez was not even in the points. He finished 16th. And the only thing that they could do in terms of limiting damage for Hamilton was taking away the one point for fastest lap from him. They didn't get it because they didn't finish in the top 10, but they took that one point away. This was just Red Bull on their knees. And many are wondering, is this a hollow win in a way? Well, that was the podcast version of Lewis Hamilton's Drive brought to you by Swamil Arora. Yeah, this is just mind-blowing. Just mind-blowing. Yeah, quite an amazing race. I mean, yes, it's all split down the middle. Verstappen and Horner, definitely not happy. Toto is philosophical as he always is. And of course, he's putting it down <laughs> to a racing incident. Uh, but an interesting insight from Karun Chandok which is yeah. Max could have given Lewis a little bit more room. Uh, and so could Lewis actually have moved a little bit more to the curb on the right. But he's also putting it down to a racing incident. And I think let, let's let just leave it at that and call it what it is. It's an incident. Let's not try to find malice in it. Let's not try to find a scheme that doesn't exist. It's just two extremely aggressive drivers who are both highly motivated to win a title. I think Lewis is actually quite spurred on by competition this year, which he hasn't faced at this level for a few years now. Uh, and I think that's kind of bringing out more aggression from him. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, before we wind down, uh, wind up uh, Mr. Fantastic and Samil, I thought, you know, uh, I'll just 
rewind a bit to the cricket because I think we missed. We need to focus on two things. One is, of course, what is happening with the Indian cricket team, which is biding its time to play the five-test series against uh, England. We've had Rishabh Pant testing positive for COVID. He's been in isolation, quarantined. He's emerged, as I understand it now, from uh, isolation. Ten-day period is over. He seems to be fit, uh, and uh, the support staff is still, which was which was affected, is still uh, under observation or in isolation. Interestingly, what has happened, and this is, I think, a positive, the Indian cricket, uh, the Indian team management allowed Ravi Chandran Ashwin to go out and play one game for for Surrey, the county, uh, and Surrey, of course, were magnanimous enough to take him to play that match, and he picked up a lot of wickets. He picked up six six wickets in that match, which was good practice for him because otherwise the Indian players are struggling for any practice. Uh, Absolutely, I saw some highlights of that. He was he looked very good. Right, and the other thing which has happened is that the ICC. Has announced the the two groups or the groupings for the World T20. And uh, in case if you know listeners haven't yet got information about this, India and Pakistan will be in the same group. Much has been happening in ICC tournaments over the past few years. They find themselves in the same group. So let me just kind of tell you what is going to happen in round one are the qualifying matches. There are two groups. Sri Lanka is in that qualifying group. So, you know, much as we imagine that Sri Lanka automatic selections for uh, all these tournaments, no, sir, it's not happening any longer. Even Bangladesh have to qualify. So, Group A has got Sri Lanka, Ireland, the Netherlands and Namibia. Group B has Bangladesh, Scotland, Papua, Papua New Guinea and Oman. And then there are the Super 12s. So, who are in the Super 12s? Group 1 has England, Australia, South Africa, West Indies. And then the two two teams from the qualifying, A1 and B2. So from Group A, the team which tops. And from Group B, the team which finishes runners-up. And Group 2 has got India, Pakistan, New Zealand, Afghanistan, A2 and B1. By you know consensus, opinion seems to suggest that India and therefore also Pakistan and New Zealand are in the weaker group. But we'll have to wait and see how that happens. I must say here, of course that New Zealand may not be as effective in the UAE as they were, say, in England or in New Zealand itself because the kind of bowling attack they've got may not be as, if you know, as penetrative because they've got a lot of these fast bowlers and swing bowlers and seam bowlers and the pitches here may be very, very different from what you see in New Zealand and England. But all that in the future. I just thought I'll bring you up, up to date with this. Absolutely. Uh, and thanks for that. I think we've had a great uh, episode. We've talked a lot about the Olympics. Very excited to finally see a lot of the athletes who've uh, waited an extra year this time. Uh, the cricket action is well underway. India plays a few more uh, games in the uh, in Sri Lanka this week again. Uh, Pakistan will wrap up their tour of England. And uh, we keep looking forward to more action coming up for all of us all around. Thanks so much for having us on the show again, Ayaz. Pleasure being here. Thanks, guys. And uh, just a reminder again to listeners, we are, what, uh, three or four days, barely, away from the start of the Olympics. It starts on July 23rd, uh, 16 days of uh, the most fantastic action that one can hope to see. And at this, in the Sports Weekly, every week, till the games get over and a little beyond that also, we're going to bring you all the stuff. Please join us again next week, same time, on the same show, Sports Weekly. Sports Weekly.